The pokes were idle this week, but there was plenty of Big 12 chaos to keep us going this week on the Believe in OK State podcast. Welcome into the show. I am your host, Megan Robinson, and I am joined today by a former Oklahoma State linebacker, Kenyatta Wright. Kenyatta, thanks for joining me this week. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. I feel very privileged. Well, I feel privileged that you wanted to chat with me. So a little bit of your background, you were a four-year starter, leader of the defense, undrafted free agent, signed with the Bills, and spent some time with the Jets as well. I just have to say, I'm a Patriots fan, so we have a little bit of Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. I know. It's uh, So I don't know how we're going to get through this, but I think that we can bond over our love of Oklahoma State. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to. Yes. So just before we get into the craziness that was this past college football weekend, I just want to get to know you a little bit better. I read that your sons are both on the Oklahoma State roster this season. Yes, I have. Well, actually, just one of them right now. Uh, Elijah Wright is there. Solomon, he's have to get his stuff straight and has some academic things that he has to work on. But yeah, both of them are working to be Cowboys. What was your reaction when they told you that they were going to go to Oklahoma State and play football? Well, they both had different routes. You know, Solomon signed with Arkansas. Um, Elijah was at uh, University of Central Oklahoma. And we're, it was almost at Thanksgiving or Christmas time. And Elijah just said, man, I want to try to, you know, walk on and play at Oklahoma State. And he's always been at Oklahoma State. Uh, he's always wanted to go to school there. And um, and kind of said, hey, you got to, you know, chart your own path. He had a scholarship to go to University of Central Oklahoma, but he just had a desire to be a cowboy. And um, so it all kind of happened real quick and real fast. And so that's kind of how that started. It, it felt good. It just um, meant once you're family at Oklahoma State, you're always family, no matter if your kids are somewhere else. I mean, um, I always dreamed of sitting in the stands and watching my sons play. Um, and kind of wear the same colors. Well, they couldn't have my number, but uh, wear the same colors. But it's awesome. I mean, our family gets to experience those Saturdays in Stillwater, and there's nothing like it. Is it hard for you to just sit in the stands as a dad and not oh get into, like, gosh. football mode? It's hard for me to sit in the stands anyway, just as even even before, I would, you know, I would just take my daughter. My daughter went to school there as well, and we'd go to games, and I, can, I can't sit anywhere. I want to be down there and kind of help, you know, whatever. But, um, I mean, it's just so hard to be a fan. I mean, you're almost kind of like an analyst mode. Um, I'm a football geek, and um, you're always, always in analyst mode. And, you know, and, and from my, you know, my time in Oklahoma State, it's hard, and I want to just relax and, like, watch the game, but it's just so hard. And um, I think that uh, I may have to try that new Iron Monk beer or something to uh, – <laughs> Uh, make make me relax, but uh, no, I mean I just want to relax and enjoy the football game. But it's I mean having the extra added pressure of family and friends and um, just the culmination of what Oklahoma State is about right now. It's just so hard just being a normal fan. And I think the fact that you also played there just adds another level to it. Like I can be a fan and sit and watch the game, but honest, I mean I didn't go to Oklahoma State. I have no ties to this university other than I've worked here for two years. So it's a little bit like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want them to win, but at the end of the, I didn't play here. You don't have this like deep rooted connection to the team. And I talked to Rashawn Woods last week, and he was saying, "Bye week, I'm going to relax. I'm going to get out of football mode because every other week of the season, I'm just in it and just like glued into the game." 
Yeah, I mean, and, and Rashawn, I don't know how he does it. I may have to call. He fishes a lot. So I, even though I hunt, got cows, all that type of stuff, I'm still never, ever out of football mode. And it's kind of hard. Um, but, yeah, not having a bye week, you almost just kind of walk circles around yourself and not being able to watch the pokes. But, um, I mean, it's so hard to not always defend the school that you love. And it's been like that for 25, over over 25 years for me. Now, if Elijah came home and had a, he's on the de- he's on defense, correct? Yes, he's on defense. If yes. he missed a tackle or a block or something, would you get on him or would you be the sympathetic dad? I'm not. I'm, I mean, I don't know what sympathetic in football. It doesn't match, <laughs> especially with linebackers. And I kind of, I would always get on him. I mean, and Elijah was, he's a very smart uh, kid and uh, 4.0 in college, you know, and uh, really smart. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's things that. Um, I would never allow um, and, and, you know, and and I never try to brag about myself or anything like that. And um, but I would I would always want him to push to be better, even if you I mean, miss tackles. is kind of like the worst minus that you could possibly get. And it's all because of pre prep practice, you know, and I said it's all film study. If the guy just outruns you, that's a different story. But if you're on him and you miss a tackle, um, there's there's some issues that we have. What's worse, a missed tackle or a stupid penalty? Stupid penalty. I agree with that. Unless it just depends on it depends on who the team is. Fair. I just but, kidding. Well, <laughs> <laughs> missed tackle is always worse to me. I mean, you I think would, a missed tackle's it, worse. What about an undisciplined penalty? An undisciplined penalty is bad. It is bad. Like not a subjective pass team, interference. Or... Yards or, there's not five yards anymore. So I mean, yeah, fifteen yards. It was. It will. It is bad. But, but like... in the film room, a missed tackle was the worst. All right. Good. No, noted. <laughs> so next next time I'm in a film room, I'll remember that. Or next time I'm yeah. screaming at the TV, what was That's that penalty different. for? I'll be like, a missed tackle's worse. It's totally fine. A missed yeah. tackle's worse. <laughs> and you and you have to understand sometimes when you're a defensive player, like. uh, some of those penalties, I mean, you just kind of get caught. You know what I mean? There's too many refs out there. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many refs out there when you're on defense, but when you're on offense, there aren't enough, right? There's not enough, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I always say that if I played football, I would be a DB of some sort. I think probably a safety because I played defense in every sport. So I guarantee I would have gotten plenty of pass interference or holding calls or something. So I can't really talk too much trash because I never played and I'm – <laughs> I'm sure I would have gotten called for things. I got called for things in lacrosse all the time. So I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. You're still tied with the team a little bit. It was recently announced that you were joining the board of Pokes with a Purpose. Can you explain what Pokes with a Purpose is? Well, obviously, we're the NIL group that is, I mean, the only, I'll say that, the only NIL group that is is for Oklahoma State players. We're not, we're not anything else. And we're a bunch of volunteers who love Oklahoma State. We love athletics. We love our school. But we also want um, our school to succeed. And we want to do it right. And when we started this, we, we talked to all the coaches. And this is what's different about Oklahoma State is that the coaches didn't deviate who the athlete was. You could be the star Spencer Sanders, or you can be the walk-on kicker or whatever you are, who kind of sometimes in the sporting realm gets, you know, he's the last person on a totem pole. And so all of our coaches in football, not only just football, but every sport wanted every athlete involved. If you look around the country and look at all the NIL groups, there's a select few of 
of the of the core group of athletes and sports that are involved in most of these NIL collectives. And I was proud that Oklahoma State said across the board, we want all 490, how many ever there is at the university to have the same benefits. And that 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 preaches family to me because I, I'm telling you, I'll be honest, I hate the NIL thing is what it was announced to be. I feel like it was going to create a lot of locker room issues. And like, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a linebacker. And if I feel like this dude who don't work hard just because of his title is going to get more money or whatever, more fame or more clout, that would create an issue in the locker room when you know that guy is really not the guy that we all look up to or all work hard as us. Not saying that's happening at Oklahoma State, but you find that locker room dynamic. And I felt like that was going to be even more, you know, even tougher for the coach to manage the locker room. And Coach Gundy does a great job, but I can tell you this NIL deal has changed everything. And so we wanted to do it right, and we wanted to do it kind of like the model of, you know, you got to serve to get what you get. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I think will make them a better athlete overall. And you see our basketball team now. Obviously, the football team will be doing stuff when it's off season, But the basketball team is going and impacting kids right now. And that's that's bigger to me than giving them a, a check every month just because it's an NIL deal, you know? You, you mentioned the potential discord in the locker room. And one of the examples that my boss has given is, you know, if this quarterback – you know, I'm not just a quarterback in general is getting this massive NIL deal for insert company here. And then the O-line's getting nothing. And it's like, well, we're blocking for him. We're making him look good. So why should I keep blocking for you when you're getting all the attention and we're the ones doing most of the work? So it's kind of nice that you have this system to kind of make it as even, even of a playing field as you possibly can for all Oklahoma state athletes. Yeah. And this collective is geared specifically to them in an even balance through all of it. Obviously, it's a lot of guys or a lot of girls are going to get their own NIL deals, which we don't really get involved in that. But as far as the rate, the money that we raise support-wise and the donations that we get, it's all going to individual numbers that that coach says, this is what across the board I want my team to have or what our team I feel should be. You know, we should get because you see some numbers out there, man, $25,000 a player or $50,000 a player at some of these collectives and only 50 of them get it. Not the whole 125 in football. I mean, that would create issues, I think. So I was proud of our coaches uh, coming together and saying this is the number that we want. It's not too much and it's not too less, uh, um, too low. So this is what our athletes need, you know, and this is going to help them offset some of the challenges that they have, even as scholarship athletes and walk-on athletes. Just imagine, this is a story that I like. Just imagine a kid whose parents really want their son to go to Oklahoma State or daughter, and but they just can't meet the demands or the finance to help pay for room and board or offset some of their scholarship. They're just over the line that they don't get you know, grant money or whatever it may be, and then they get an extra thousand or, you know, 800, whatever that number is a month to offset some of the costs that they may not be able to afford. And that kid actually gets to perform at their greatest level because they don't have to worry about those things. Or if a kid needs some extra money when they go home, you know, during the break, because I know when I was in college, that was all our coaches used to preach to us, like, they were scared some of our teammates may not come back. Imagine Coach Gundy or Coach Boyne or any coach, any coach 
knowing that when their kid goes home for break, the environment that they live in, they may not come back. Imagine that. And so just where that kid knows they have, you know, they don't have to do this to get food or whatever it may be. I don't, I'm not trying to paint wrong, pit, bad pictures, but that's the reality for a lot of our athletes that they don't, a lot of people don't know about. So it's not just giving them money for some people. It's just a resource to uh, survive, you know? I think also, I remember a couple of years ago, I did a story for college game day on Joe Burrow and his mom was saying that there was someone in New Orleans who took that famous silhouette of Joe walking into the stadium with his aviators on and started selling shirts on Bourbon Street with that. And this was pre NIL. So he could not, first of all, they're stealing his image to make money without his approval, you know, and then they're also, they're he can't get any of those profits, even if they could track down who it right. was. But I think that I think NIL is very complicated and I don't know all mm-hmm. of the nuances of, of it. And right. I, I see positives and negatives and, you know, you've kind of touched on both, but ultimately like if an athlete's likeness is being used, they should get to see benefit from that. Right. And, and one of the things our group, our board, we've talked about numerous times is about the legacy of the athlete. Once they leave Oklahoma state, that orange door is always going to be with them when they open their door and their business, their home, their livelihood after, after their, the lights turn off for them. All of us, it happens to all of us. We can't play forever. That orange door is going to always be there. So how do we help these kids prepare for that? How do we help these kids understand that, this amount of money, if you can save it or put it in a fund or whatever, when you leave our school, you have this amount of money or whatever you saved to help you go to your next level. And so that's something that we've talked about a lot. And then also internships, things that they can do now and be paid for that they couldn't do when I was in school. It's a great thing, but we have to do it in a manner that is going to teach them and they can learn from it because I don't, I don't believe in just giving them money and let them be reckless with it because I've seen guys that, you know, get a $4 million check in the NFL on Tuesday. Like this is their one game, one game check, $4 million and it's gone by Friday because they bought 10 cars or, you know, bought $300,000 worth of jewelry to wear to the game. I mean, all of those things you see. And so I'm really cautious about, you know, teaching our athletes like this is what you need to do to set yourself up for the future because there's no other time that you're going to be this famous. <laughs> I'll tell them unless you get drafted and then it's really going to be you're not really going to be famous for you. You're going to be famous for the NFL, you know, and so I want to teach our athletes, you know, a better way to manage those resources that they have now. I think that's awesome. I just think of Herm Edwards life advice, one house, one girlfriend or wife and one car that like you don't need. You don't need multiples. Herm used to always say that in the meeting room, but he had rookie I mean, symposium. Once, he had a he had a bunch of he had a bunch of cars. So we can tell Herm, I was like, yeah, you telling us one car and you pulling up in two different ones every week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hand if you handed 21 year old Meg a check for one million dollars, I guarantee that would have been gone in less than a month. But oh, you yeah. hand 34 year old Meg a check for one million dollars and I am giving that to my financial advisor to invest for me maybe treat myself to one nice designer bag and then the rest would be invested or I would just like buy a house outright you know like an investment Mm -hmm. so I, I am such a big advocate for financial and like money courses especially for college athletes because the one the one percent that does go on to the next level 
they don't have that education. So I think by you kind of helping steer them and guide them and give them that sort of, you know, guidance, I think that that's a great thing mm -hmm. that Pokes at the Purpose is doing. Yes. And it's, it's awesome because that 1%, like you said, there's a lot of one percenters that it doesn't happen to. And, and they don't, and in the NFL, they really don't want you to, that one percenter don't, they don't want you to last to past three years because they're going to have to pay for you for the rest of your life. You know, it's, it's the business. It's the, it's what it is. And I'm going to Oklahoma chapter of NFL, former players. We got 220 former NFL guys that live in our region in Oklahoma and talking to some of these guys, they was like, I wish I would have known. And you hear that story every single day and it's sad, but it's the truth of our, of that business. We could probably spend a whole hour talking about NIL, but oh, yeah. I, I'm going to pivot and get into the craziness that was the big 12 this weekend because there was several upsets. Oh, you dropped 12 spots to 18 after that upset by Kansas state and Kansas state. I read this today. They have defeated a top 25 team in four of the last six seasons. Three of those wins were against OU. What was your reaction watching that game? Well, I mean, let's be honest. It was a butt kicking and, and nothing against. It's just a game. I mean, everyone talks about these elite level teams and then you got these you know, 110 also rands. I mean, they just get a vote or whatever. There's an elite level team, but at the end of the day, it's almost who prepares their team the best and which guys show up. I know whenever I was playing, it felt like, I mean, you know it's going to be a dog fight, no matter if it was Kansas, I, it doesn't matter. Just because Texas has a million alumni with all this fancy stuff, you're going to go hit them in the mouth. And that's the same way Kansas State did against Oklahoma. It just like, it was totally different teams you know the team that they thought was the underdog who came out to fight the team that is historically you know they always live on the history down there is that they didn't play well and they didn't play well because this team here was ready to play and was ready to win and that's what I like about college football there's a lot of parity in our in our conference you know Texas Tech knocked off Texas I mean and those things I mean it's just uh it's just constant teams that rise and fall but at, at the end of the day it's who plays the best that's always how how it is I thought you know Alabama just like Alabama I mean everyone thinks they crown them right now you know and but they are an elite team but I, I like when Kansas State wins because you just kind of know it I mean they they felt confident enough to win that football game and Adrian Martinez, he was named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week, had a career game, 382 total yards, five total touchdowns. But on the flip side, the OU defense gave up 509 yards. They looked pretty solid in non-conference play, and people were praising them going into this game. But what do you think, which one do you think is the real OU defense? I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what the real OU defense is. I know we had a lot of fans getting mad about way our defense is, you know, the first couple weeks. And we should have shut this team out. They don't understand the progression manner of defense. I mean, I'm not saying I, I understand it perfectly, but there's a progression manner. And guys, the more live snaps they get, the better off they do. It just looked like in that game, there was so much confusion. And there was a lot of impatient runs where the running back from Kansas State was patient. He was behind his lineman, but there was no downhill attack, I felt like. And then Kansas State just took shots at them, but they actually beat them at the front line, at the line of scrimmage and moved them down the road. 
and you know was more aggressive up front. O Oklahoma defense. I know Brent is a great defensive coordinator. He's a great defensive mind. But also, what makes you a great defensive mind is the caliber of players you have that's going to go fight for you. And so I think it's a little bit different than what he had at Clemson. And that's just my two cents on their defense, which I really don't care or whatever or really invested in. But that's just what I've seen. Only time will tell. But you you mentioned the Texas Tech upset over Texas. Um, huge win for them. They overcame the two touchdown deficit in the second half and very uncharacteristic characteristic of Bijan Robinson to fumble on the first play of overtime. And I actually heard that he was carrying a ball around campus today, all day around campus. He was carrying a ball with him. Teammates would come up to him, try to punch it out. Random students would try to punch it out. What was your reaction when you saw that fumble and how overtime played out? Well, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I looked at that and I mean, there was like no hard hit. There wasn't anything that you would think a caliber athlete is of him to just fumble. I think it's just, just a, a lack of, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't want to call out the kid or whatever, anything like that, but it's like some kids don't live in a moment or they think that it's already over or I, we got this over. And, um, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can't really say why I fumble. I know why you get forced fumbles, but, uh, you know, carrying the ball around campus, I mean, none of that stuff's going to help you. It's going to be about when those hits get on you or if you're really protecting the football. I think it's a conscious mindset of really protecting the football on that point and fumbles don't happen. Wouldn't be surprised if that was his last fumble of the season. And Texas Tech was actually <laughs> fined $50,000 for the storming the field. And I know people have very strong opinions of storming the field. What are your takes when it comes to storming? When should students storm the field? Uh, big, big blowouts, big, big rivalry games. Anytime you feel comfortable and long as you're protecting the players and enjoy the moment. I, I remember the time we beat uh, Oklahoma at home and they stormed the field. They tore down the goalpost and threw the goalpost over the stadium. Up in the stands. down the field. <laughs> yeah, marched down the, marched down the strip, put the goalpost in Theta Pond. And I guarantee you, Terry Don Phillips, our athletic director at the time, probably didn't he was probably laughing and smiling we all loved it and but I, I think it's okay I mean fifty thousand dollars I mean that's not gonna hurt him it's like a slap on the wrist yeah I and then my co-workers today they're like did we get fined last year when we stormed the field for the bedlam game and I'm like honestly I don't remember seeing anything about that so maybe Texas yeah. Tech should should do some digging and appeal that appeal that fine maybe they did it too early <laughs> <laughs> We didn't time it right. And the biggest Big 12 surprise, in my opinion, is Kansas 4-0. Oh, my goodness. Jalen Daniels had 407 total yards of offense, five total touchdowns. He completed 82.6% of his passes. Is Jalen Daniels the real deal? I think so. I mean, I think he's playing at a high level right now. And then also, the it's kind of like, the culture. You see how Coach Gundy, I'm at the culture at Oklahoma State now. It breeds uh, professionalism. It breeds integrity, toughness, all those things that you require as a good, good football player. I think that's what that coach is doing at Kansas, and it's the same team, right? I mean, there's only a few different uh, pieces to the puzzle, but those guys are motivated to win. They're doing really well. They're playing lights out right now, and who can say that they're not a viable opponent for everybody in the Big 12 now? 
Yeah, people are loving, I think it's Leipold. Leipold is his last name, the coach's name, Leipold. People are loving him up there. He signed an extension just a couple weeks ago. I have <laughs> I know some students at Kansas and they are they are on the Leipold train up there. Kansas will take on Iowa State, who lost to Baylor this week, who of course mm-hmm. we are playing this week. Baylor Big 12 championship game redemption. How are you feeling heading into Saturday? And I, I love games like this. And I know the players are obviously today is that that uh, numb day where you're trying to, like, oh, man, I'm putting in the game plan, all this type of stuff. They probably worked on it during the off week as well. And they know what the expectations are. It's not like every player doesn't know what the expectations are like this week. I mean, it's going to be a championship caliber type of game. Everyone, they know everyone's going to be watching them. Coach Gundy, obviously, and probably all the coaches there are going to be high alert. There's no jacking around in the locker room. Don't play the music too loud till after the game, all that type of stuff. But I feel really good about the game because we know in our heart, I mean, I know in my heart we should have won that game. I mean, you always say you should have won. But now Spencer Sanders, I feel like, is playing at the highest level of his career. And so going into this game, I feel comfortable that, He's going to have one of those big-time games. We're not going to see the interceptions like we've seen in the past that kind of haunted him during these type of games. And um, he's grown up. And so now I feel like the we got the chip, but also we got the favor to win this game. Spencer Sanders, he threw seven interceptions in the two games versus Baylor two last games, season. Yes. And this year he's thrown 10 touchdowns and one interception. We're only three games in, but still, I mean, he's having a career year. However, Baylor defense, they held Iowa State to 2.4 yards per carry. And one of their senior linebackers was named Co Big Big 12 Co-Defensive Player of the Week, Bryson Jackson. He had two sacks. And Baylor's held their opponents to 30 points or fewer for the last 18 straight games. So what is this offense, Oklahoma State offense, going to have to do to penetrate that defense? And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm a defensive geek and I follow football so much. David Rand, I've kind of watched his rise and followed him on the clinic circuit and just watched videos about his defense and stuff like because I love that stuff and um, by heart. And the one thing that I see that I know that Oklahoma State does that keeps any defense uh, off key is the tempo. I mean, they're going to have to tempo, uh, not allow them to get set in their they call it creepers, you know, these simulated blitzes that, um, you know, that Dave Aranda loves to do and run the ball down their throat a little bit. But also I feel like they got they have to worry about Spencer pulling the ball and running. So sometimes when you do those creeper blitzes and you blitz too tight or not blitz right or whatever, and you let your quarterback just run. I mean, that's the damage that I feel like that Spencer can do, not only just throwing the football, but he can run. So a lot of those simulated pressures better be timed up right, and they better not uh, miss a hole or blitz wrong or something because I think we have the athletes that can go to distance just as much as anybody else in the conference. But uh, that's the things that I see that our offense needs to do. And we have the best defensive line, I feel like, and that's going to be a true battle. It's going to be where, what who plays better up front. I've been saying it all season. Our defensive line is scary. However, last year – Blake Shapin had a lot of success picking at our secondary and our secondary was very experienced last season. They're a little bit Mm -hmm. more green this year. So how do we slow down the passing game? I think, um, I mean, I'm not 
trying to act like I'm, you know, the defensive coordinator there. But you got to flood the zone. You got to get helmets. You got to get eyes on in areas. You got to get – There's we got some long guys at safety, um, got some guys that can run. You got to mix it up by putting them down in the box, backing them out, zone coverage. I mean, you can't just – I know we love a lot of man-to-man defense, but if you play it, I'm in – that's all we play when I was in school. So Coach Ryan would tell us we're gonna give up too, maybe, but it's only if you don't get some get to the quarterback. So we have to get to the quarterback, and I think we have the rushers that can get there, that can cause pressure, that can make the quarterback move the pocket where he just doesn't set in there and throw the ball down the field because that's what happens. I mean, it doesn't matter how how experienced you are, doesn't matter how green you are. If the quarterback is set in the pocket, we you your favorite quarterback, Tom Brady, he'll pick you apart. So any quarterback I feel like if you let them just sit there and don't move them off the target um they'll pick you apart and that's in any defense and I feel like we have the guys that can get there and we'll probably see some new little wrinkles on defense move guys moving in coverage some of those things and um you know those three wide receiver sets is you know it's kryptonite for a lot of defenses but I think the way I've seen us play against those three receiver sets it's like we love during that time because we know that we're going to get to the quarterback I'm going to be sure to clip this off and send it to Derek Mason and be like, hey, I'm sure you have a game plan, <laughs> but just in case you haven't considered it, think about it. Think about it. This is Kenyatta's I, I love watching him. I, I was so excited that we got him, you know, and I've just because I've I've just seen how he communicates and I've seen, you know, he's with Coach Frazier up in uh, Minnesota and a lot of those guys that come from the same type of scheme that I ran in the pros and. You know, I'm an old school Buddy Ryan guy, but I know that you can't play man-to-man defense, you know, 100% of the time. That's what we did, but – and blitz everybody until they choke and hope our offense scored enough points. You know, you can't do that these days because they'll run you off the field. But I think Coach Mason – I'm just so excited because I can see the steps that we're taking to greatness, and I see it every single week. And there's little bitty wrinkles that he throws in that the normal fan may not know. It's like, ooh, that's a setup for somebody later on down the road. You know, I love those things. And, you know, we lost Jim Knowles, who cultivated a top five defense last season. You lose Malcolm Rodriguez. You lose Devin Harper. You lose a lot of vets on that defense. But I feel like Derek Mason has not skipped a beat coming up, stepping in, and taking over that defense. Yeah, and and he fits – and Coach Coach Gundy hand selected someone that he felt like fits the culture. You know, obviously Jim uh, wanted to do what he's doing. He had to leave, so farewell. You know, bye. I mean, he's going to the you know the the big peanut, the big ten, or whatever it's called up there. Uh, and we got what we got. But I'm excited that Coach Mason wants to be here and he wants to develop. You know what I mean? He could have easily went back to the NFL. But he's here, and he wants to develop his team, and I get excited about that. All right, every show, I with the exception of last week, we didn't play, but I end with game picks. I do picks with Bix with my dog. He is a lab mix. His name is Bixby, <laughs> and he is one and two. He picked Arkansas Pine Bluff and ASU, so major upsets there. But this week, Bix went with Oklahoma State. So now I have to ask, Uh-oh. who are you taking this week? Oklahoma State by 10. I'll say 10. I think I think it might be like a 27-23 thing, but I think Oklahoma State, I think they're going to go down to Waco redemption for last year. I think that a lot of those players, it's a huge chip on their shoulder, and they want to get this revenge win. 
Yes. I mean, they got to go with their PhD. And I, I mean, that's what our coach used to say it to us all the time. You got to have your PhD when you walk into places like that. Well, Kenyatta, thank you so much. It was so great talking with you, getting your football mind, breaking down the Big 12, talking about this week's matchup. I would love to have you back later in the season if you would be down for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Anytime we want to talk football, I'm, I'm gay. All right. Well, <laughs> I will take you up on that. And next week, exciting news. I have brand new co-hosts joining the show. You're all going to have to tune in and see who they are. I will give you a hint. Uh -oh. They played at Oklahoma State back in 2009 to 2012. So they are former players, offense and defense got two. So be sure to come back next awesome. week and see who my co-hosts are. And Kenyatta, you'll come back one week and the four of us will chop it up. That sounds good to me. Go awesome. Pokes. Awesome. Go Pokes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.